This is The Lottery Podcast on Blue Wire Network. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Reports October 2nd. NBA training camp just opened. College basketball is still like a month away. I'm going to hold up on college and the draft, which is going to be what you know we specialize on this podcast throughout the season. I'm going to hold up and wait to talk about that. We got training camp started. That's what everybody's talking about uh, for the NBA. We just had media day. All the beat writers go out to their teams and gather the quotes and new footage that create these new storylines. So I figured I'm going to talk about the storylines in the NBA right now that have emerged from training camp uh, that fascinate me the most, that have caught my attention through a couple days. And some of them are, listen, they're a bit overblown, but they're worth talking about. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to shade naturally towards the younger guys, um, the guys in camp creating buzz um, who are in their first, second, third year. Naturally, I'm the draft guy for Bleacher Reports, so... Um, it interests me to see uh, how the, the youngest guys are developing going into their, their early NBA training camps. And so uh, that makes for an easy segue of what I'm going to talk about first. Markel Fultz in his first training camp with the Orlando Magic. Uh, the last two we've been with Philly. He's played, what, 33 games through two seasons, averaging like eight points. Uh, we all know at this point about the, uh, the mysterious shoulder injury the potential effect it had um, in terms of his mental approach. Did he just forget how to shoot? Is he having a problem where he literally can't make the motion physically to take the jump shots that he took at Washington when he knocked down 41% of his threes? And the three ball was such a huge part of his offensive arsenal and why he went number one overall in the draft. Since entering the league, he's made four threes. Um, and uh, so, you know, now the question is, is this guy even an NBA player? Does he have a chance to get back to the star that everybody thought he was going to be, including me, coming out of college? I mean, his range right now, his floor and his ceiling are like anybody's guess. So any type of news that comes out that sees him behind the scenes is interesting. And, uh, you know, you kind of expected to hear this, but naturally uh, the buzz has been positive and Jonathan Isaac uh, came through with a, uh, a pretty eye-opening quote um, per OrlandoMagic.com's John Denton, John Isaac said, I thought he looked fantastic. He got a couple pull-up jumpers to go, but outside of that, it was just his ability to get into the lane and be crafty. Already, he's able to manipulate the offense the way he wants, and he's just learning it. He's crafty, and for somebody so big, he plays really loose, and he flows, and his ball handling is really decent. Um, yeah, that's exactly pretty much what the scouting report said coming out of Washington uh, he was one of the best prospects I've ever evaluated. Just, you know, go look at my Twitter history, and uh, I haven't deleted any of those tweets that stated in the 2017 draft it was Fultz, and then in Ocean, and then everybody else, including De'Aaron Fox, including Jason Tatum, who both look like uh, they could be headed to All-Star Game soon, as well as Donovan Mitchell, but let's be honest, nobody really had Donovan Mitchell that high. Anyway, back to Fultz, who seems to be impressing teammates. Um, I mean... There is obviously an opening at point guard in Orlando, and the Magic are an interesting team. They have like seven bigs, uh, but they're moving forward. You know, last year in the playoffs, so they're going to take another step forward this season. I think Jonathan Isaac is poised for a big jump. Uh, Aaron Gordon and obviously Vucevic is an All Star, but uh, if you add a, a guard like Fultz to that to that point guard slot, along with Evan Fournier, who I think is pretty underrated. Uh, somebody who can get you 20 on you know any given night. 
Um, and so you add Fultz to that group, who is an excellent playmaker um, and, and can really put pressure on the rim. Um, you know, if somebody, if he can unlock his potential, suddenly Orlando is an interesting team. I don't think they're that interesting without Fultz being that good. That's why I think he's such an X factor for this franchise, maybe for the Eastern Conference in general. But, uh, you know, I don't know what to expect from Fultz. It's good to hear that he's knocking down pull-ups that pull up again. That was his biggest weapon in his bag coming out of college. He had that high, smooth release. And uh, who knows if, if it's going to come back. The other day, some video surfaced of him uh, making jump shots during practice. I guess his form looked different. It still looked different from what it used to be. But I guess anything is better from what we saw in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know... What's still fascinating is that we really have not heard much from Fultz on what's actually bothering his shoulder. Um, I know that they diagnosed it, uh, the same thing that some pitchers get, and it's it's a, a nerve problem in his shoulder. Um, and I'm still on board with that's really what started this whole problem. And I know that there's been things with he's had a shot doctor change his form, and um, and then you saw just during you know during free throws he'd like pass the ball back and forth between his hands, trying new like weird routines to get a smoother release. Um, and, uh, you know, clearly, obviously, his shoulder hurt him, but there was something going on up top where it was just like he forgot the muscle memory of how to take those jumpers that he splashed so often in college. So uh, it's anybody's guess to see if the jumper ever comes back, which I think, you know, if he could start knocking those down, it'll unlock the confidence in the rest of his game, which is already pretty good. His shot creativity, um, his playmaking, his ball handling, and a Good, good size for a point guard, uh, along with the athleticism. Um, I'm rooting for him. Obviously, I'm rooting for him um, because I had him number one. But also, uh, uh, just a quiet kid, a, a good kid. Nobody really has anything bad to say about him off the floor. It's unfortunate how his career has started. Um, I'm pretty sure he follows social media just based on uh, the way he uses it. Uh, so he definitely hears what people have said about him over the years. Um, so rooting for him. Um, he could really be an X-factor in Eastern Conference. Interesting to see if Jonathan Isaac was just blowing smoke or if Fultz really does look like he's gaining steam um, and could come back finally and have that bounce-back season uh, that we've been hoping for. Zion Williamson spoke uh, to the media recently. Um, He was kind of vague about what he said, but I understand what he was getting at. He said he could play the three this year, he could play the four this year, but... Coach Alvin Gentry of the Pelicans, he was going to be very secretive about the way he'd use Zion. I think they're going to use him all over the place. I think they're going to put him in ball screen situations. He was actually one of the most efficient in the country last year doing it, although he didn't have as many possessions, obviously, as guards. Uh, but I think I think he's going to be best utilized at the five. I love the idea of Zion Williamson, small ball center. I mean, he clearly has the, the size and bulk to battle with the heavier bigs down low. And I think he kind of compensates for that lack of height, again, with that strength to play through contact, but also the explosiveness and the anticipation, how quick he gets off the ground. He could play higher than his height suggests he should be. Um, But yeah, I mean, you could play fast with him at the five. I mean, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, He talked about how he has the green light to grab a defensive rebound and go coast to coast. He has very good ball handling skills in the open floor, not as much in the half court. But in the open floor, when he has room to, to execute a move, his in-and-out dribble is really good. He has that body control while he's moving at a high speed. And so I think he's got the chance to be one of the unique uh, big men transition weapons. But I love the idea of putting Zion 
at the five there, maybe playing Ingram at the four. Regardless, it sounds like they're going to move Zion all over the place, make defenses uh, have to mix and match and, and change things up and adjust on the fly uh, because Zion is so unique. I mean, that's what, what really drives his upside is the fact that we've never seen anybody like him. And so that's what creates this perception that his ceiling is, is that unicorn ceiling. Um, and, and I got a feeling Gentry is going to milk him for all he's worth in terms of moving around, exploiting his interchangeability, his versatility, whatever word you want to use. Uh, and so I expect him to play four. Um, I expect him, I guess, play some three if he already mentioned it, which would be interesting. He's going to need that jump shot, I think, depending on how you, who you put at the four or five. Uh, but I think he's going to be most exciting as a small ball five. The, pace, uh, the Pelicans could really push that pace um, if their starting center is Zion. Let's move to the Atlanta Hawks camp where uh, Lloyd Pierce is talking up his new rookie, the one that they traded up for from number eight to number four, DeAndre Hunter. Um, and this is from the Hawks website. I've coached a couple guys who played deep in the NCAA tournament. He's the first one I could say I could see why Virginia won. He's got a poise about him. Nothing rattles him. He's very humble on the court. It's just all about business. He knows all five spots already defensively. He's about as solid as they come. He makes open shots. He can actually put it on the floor. I have a ton of respect for the kid already. We are going to love DeAndre. So I don't love DeAndre clearly as much as the Hawks do. But I had him round number 12 on my board. I saw a high floor role player. And that's kind of what I, you know, I see with Atlanta. I think his value is going to come down to can he make enough open threes? I don't see him being a very creative offensive player in terms of giving the ball and let him put it on the floor like Pierce said he could. Yeah, in the straight line drive he can. And he's got some nice shots out of the post, although I don't expect Atlanta to run too much post offense through Hunter. I think if they're going to run post offense, they're going to give it to John Collins. I think Hunter's going to be doing a lot of standing around the arc, and it's going to be very important for that three ball to fall, A, for the Hawks, who took the third most amount of threes last year in the NBA, and B, for his individual scoring ability. Because, again, he's not a great one-on-one scorer. He's not somebody you're going to run ball screen action with. He's going to have to do a lot of spot-up shooting. And so at Virginia, he was very accurate, 41% through two years. But he averaged fewer than one make per game combined. And so he didn't take a lot of threes. He made the, the open ones, like Pierce said. But he's going to have to be a little bit more aggressive. He also has kind of uh, a line drive trajectory on his release. I don't know, maybe the NBA's arc might be a little deep for him. So I'm a little bit more hesitant on Hunter's upside and and Hunter's uh, potential impact next season. I'm good with talking about his defense. Yup, he's 6'7", 225, 7'2", wingspan. He's going to guard fours. He's got the foot speed and the length to really be an effective wing defender. I'm a little bit skeptical about any rookie coming in and and making an impact on defense, even the best ones, even the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I think he's going to hold his own, um, but, you know, is he going to be a really impact defender right now? Ah, I don't know. Maybe down the road. Anyway, Hawks seem very high on Hunter. Uh, um, I I see a nice role player for them. I don't see a big difference maker, certainly not this year anyway. I totally get why Pierce likes him. Again, the professional approach, the defensive mindset. Can he make enough threes? I think that's going to be huge for his individual value and for this this Hawks team who likes to run and gun. How about Boston Celtics camp? Romeo Lankford, some buzz about him. 
Actually, we've heard more about Carson Edwards and Grant Williams, the team's, what, number 22 and number 33 pick in the draft, I believe. Romeo Langford didn't play summer league. The reports that a hurt thumb had affected him all season at Indiana where he shot 27% from three. But now the rumor is uh, that he has healed, his thumb is healed. And according to Boston.com's Daisha Smith, his improved shooting was evident during practice. And shooting is uh, just, you know, the swing skill for Langford. He is a scorer. It reminds me a lot of, of Bradley Beal in terms of their shot-creating ability, their bodies. He's not the shooter that Beal was, certainly, uh, coming out of Florida. And uh, and his jump shot's going to be huge for determining his value and how good he is, A, right now and long-term. And Boston, who already has a handful of guards, you know, Kemba Walker is going to dominate the ball. Plus, they already have Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown plays him two. Jason Tatum plays some wing. Gordon Hayward's going to probably handle the ball, even though he's a four. I know there's Carson Edwards. There's just not much, not many uh, opportunities for Langford this season. And so if he does play, he's probably going to be doing a lot of spot-up shooting, and he's going to need that jumper to work. Now, uh, it's also reported that he hasn't started five-on-fives yet. I'm guessing that he's not a member of the rotation early on, and just based on his fit into the lineup, even though every lineup could use just another score. There's just not going to be many chances for him unless an injury happens to somebody. So uh, it's nice to see that his hand is healed and that he's shooting better. Do I believe that he can be a better shooter than he was in in college? Yeah, I do. He was actually one of the most efficient mid-range scorers in the country and in the draft. But when it extended out to the arc, uh, there was a lot of instability with his release. Uh, A lot of shots you could just tell weren't going in the second it left his hand. It sounds like there was something wrong with his thumb, so I'm not going to be too critical during a small sample size at Indiana where he was a focal point of defenses. But certainly that is the swing skill that's going to determine how good Langford can become in the NBA. Uh, Good to hear that he seems improved. We'll see if he can carry over to the regular season. Honestly, I'm guessing Carson Edwards has a bigger rookie year than Romeo Langford. Let's move to San Antonio. DeJounte Murray, remember him? Missed all of last year with an ACL tear. He seemed like a prime breakout candidate before that injury. The big thing with Murray has always been his shooting. He's a a big-time athlete, good size, an excellent rebounder, tremendous defensive potential, uh, can break down defenses and set up teammates off penetration. But his jump shot is the swing skill for Murray and, and whether or not he can be a star in this league. And so the quote out of Spurs camp comes from Bryn Forbes via the San Antonio Express News. Honestly, I think people haven't seen what he could do, said Forbes. He's added a lot. His jump shot from 15 to 19 feet is money now. It's an interesting quote for a couple of reasons. Of course, it would be really exciting if Murray's jump shot really is money now. Um, From another angle, uh, his 15 to 19 foot jump shot, how often do you get those open looks in the NBA? I mean, for a point, I'm more interested to find out What's his jump shot like from 23 to 25 feet? Because in today's league, that's really what you need to uh, score in volume. And so, uh, I, you know, I don't know what to take of it. It's obviously good to hear that he's shooting the mid-range shot well uh, during training camp. Um, it's also good to hear that he's healthy. And it seems like the Spurs should have big plans for him. Uh, eventually, I think they're going to have to start to 
look backwards and, and start focusing on the younger guys. Not like DeRozan's so old. Um, Aldridge is, I'd say he's getting up there, but eventually, unless they're able to add another star, the Spurs are going to have to start focusing on their young players. And Murray is their key one. I know Lonnie Walker, uh, they have a lot of high hopes for him. And uh, they drafted Lucas Amonich and Keldon Johnson. Oh, and Derek White, who I'm very excited about, was high on him out of Colorado. Former Juco player who looks, another guy who looks like he's poised for a breakout year. But um, I think the most eyes are going to be on Murray after he sat out last season. I think he's got the most upside of those players I just mentioned. And um, we'll see what kind of jump he can make um, and, and how good his shooting looks uh, because he really hasn't been much of a threat through his first couple of years in the NBA. Before we move on, shout out to ShipStation. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all the orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage on any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now, any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time at the best rates available. And right now, the Lottery Podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You could start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com makes ship happen. Also, shout out to Indochino. They're founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. I went to a wedding this past weekend after using Indochino. I actually got compliments from people on how well my suit fit my body. I never got those compliments before. It's the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. And the best part is that they're affordable. All of their custom clothing is under 400 bucks. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when you're entering Blue Wire at checkout. Shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. Promo code BLUEWIRE for 30 bucks off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. It's actually an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that just doesn't fit. Okay, back to NBA training camp. Let's go to New York, where Mitchell Robinson is creating all sorts of buzz from hungry Nick fans online with new video of him shooting threes. And I got to say, I usually don't put stock into these little videos of guys taking six threes in a 30-second span. A couple go in, and they're not guarded by anybody. But Mitchell Robinson looks pretty clean releasing these threes. Uh, And uh, so I guess the question is how legitimate it is. Is he going to actually shoot them in games? A quote from SNY's Ian Begley um, quoting Mitchell Robinson saying, I worked on them all summer. Why work on something you're not going to use? I'm looking forward to it. If I'm Fisdale, I'm giving Robinson the green light. I mean, it's more important to try and develop Mitchell Robinson into a star than it is to try and win, uh, you know, 32 games. Robinson is so key to this franchise in terms of their long-term 
growth. I mean, they need a star so badly. They gave up one in Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, I don't think Dennis Smith Jr. is the next Kristaps Porzingis in terms of upside. I think Mitchell Robinson is huge for the for this Knicks team, and if they can get him shooting threes early, get him comfortable by maybe year number four, number five, and he's a legit spot-up threat, uh, plus a, a, the rim protector that he is and, and the easy baskets he'll get you, they might as well start working on this now. Even if he shoots 22% this year, just get the process started. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm looking at these these jumpers, and again, I don't want to put too much stock into him. And I've seen him since, you know, junior year of high school uh, take jump shots mostly during warm-ups. But you always got the sense that eventually this could become a part of his game. You wouldn't expect it to be in the second year in the league. But uh, it's clearly something he worked on. He looks awfully comfortable taking them in warm-ups. Actually, there's video of him and Julius Randle going shot for shot. And if you were watching these two guys shoot jump shots for the first time, you'd think it was Randall that uh, was the one who's just starting to take them. Robinson looks very comfortable. The release looks good. He's got good balance on his on his landing. Uh, just a smooth delivery from the shooting pocket up to the top of his head. And so uh, that's going to be fascinating to watch. Another guy who, who also revamped his shot this summer, Dennis Smith, who I just mentioned, uh, I saw the video of it. It looks better. I, I, you know, I'm not super convinced that it's going to translate to uh, you know 35 plus percent from downtown. He's one of those guys who I just always feel is going to be real streaky. I mean, he'll have those games when his confidence is pumping and he could uh, knock down shots. You know, knock down three jumpers in a quarter. But over the course of an 82 game season, I don't know. I just don't see him being a consistent shooter. Um, and, and yeah, his shot, his his mechanics last year, he had this weird hitch at the top. Uh, we'll see if it comes back. We'll see if this this new jump shot uh, helps take Dennis Smith to the next level. I'm a little bit skeptical, although I'm certainly rooting for his development. And uh, and you know, he's got Alfred Payton this year to push him. I know we kind of laugh at that, but Payton's a, a decent, serviceable NBA point guard, and uh, hopefully that motivates Dennis Smith. I saw he lost 15 pounds this summer. He stopped eating uh, as much junk food. Bojangles is actually what he mentioned is what he stopped eating. Um, and so maybe he's taking his career a little more seriously. Uh, a huge year for Dennis Smith Jr., not just again for the Knicks, but for his personal growth, his personal value, his second contract. I mean, if he can't beat out Alfred Payton this year or he doesn't make a convincing case as the best point guard on the Knicks, also Frank Nilekina, um may be looking to... Uh, uh, to chase him down in, in terms of the starting job. But uh, yeah, if Smith can't win out the starting point guard job this year, uh, it's going to start to probably affect his value and the, the dollar amount on his second contract. Also, I figured before we move on, we'll just hit on R.J. Barrett uh, from New York. Fisdale said he was going to be harder on Barrett than he was on Kevin Knox last year because he thinks Barrett can handle it. Uh, I've said this multiple times, both uh, in written words on Bleacher Report and on this podcast. I think Barrett is in for a rough rookie season. I think he's going to have trouble creating for himself unless he gets a ball screen. Um, and I don't think he's going to get too many of them with Dennis Smith and Peyton and Neil Akina and the offense probably running through Julius Randle and Marcus Morris getting these touches. Um, he's going to have to make this major adjustment from leading Duke in shots attempted while playing with the best player in college 
and Zion Williamson to now being just another one of like eight forwards slash guards on the roster. And he's going to be doing a lot of standing around, playing off the ball, which he's not very good at. He ranked in the 49th percentile out of spot-ups last year. He shot a poor percentage on catch-and-shoot chances. And, uh, you know, he I think he would have struggled no matter where he was going, just based on his age. And the fact that he relies so much on um, improvising and body control and all that over actual creation skill. And the fact that he doesn't have a consistent jump shot yet. But the fact that he landed on the Knicks... Uh, where he's just not going to have the in-game touches and rhythm to build his confidence, which is what he always needs. I mean, he needed he scored a lot in college, but he also took a lot of shots. Uh, he had a lot of touches in that offense. He's not going to get that this year. Particularly now that Fisdale is also saying that uh, everyone's got to earn their minutes. You know, just because you're the number three pick doesn't mean you're automatically in the starting lineup. And uh, I don't know if he's going to beat out Kevin Knox for minutes and Alonzo Trier and Damian Dotson, who's a pretty good NBA player. I think Barrett uh, may spend some time on the bench. I think he's going to be inefficient. Anyway, that's that's my take on Barrett. I'm just not very high on, on his situation um, going from Duke to this Knicks team. Portland Trailblazers general manager Neil O'Shea said something that caught my attention. Anthony Simons, the most gifted player he's ever drafted. Now, I don't know if that was a motivational tactic, but uh, it certainly... Creates a high bar for Simons, who I I expect to have a breakout year. He was awesome in Summer League. In fact, I featured him in an article uh, because it really looks like he is on the verge of breaking out really early in his career. And, and you can see why I'll say likes him. Uh, super athletic. I think he's a very good shooter. And uh, he's got some creation ability as a one-on-one scorer, particularly uh, with that pull-up. And uh, can slice to the rack. He's a very smooth operator out there. He's got the chance to be the sixth man for Portland, and this Portland team has high hopes. Uh, Simons is awfully young. Remember, he didn't go to college. came straight out of high school uh, five years, uh, spent that last one in IMG. And so, uh, I don't know, I thought that was an interesting comment to to show what type of expectations they have for this kid. And uh, to think of, you know, how important of a player he could wind up being in the playoffs with Portland expected, or I'm sure looking, to head to the NBA Finals this year after getting to the Western Conference Finals last year, losing to Golden State, who probably won't be there this year. So Portland has high hopes, and they clearly have high hopes for their second-year guard, Anthony Simons, who, again, I'm high on as well. Um, most gifted player he's ever drafted. I hesitate to uh, to confirm that one. But, yeah, he'll be, he'll be an interesting young player to watch and somebody I'm going to personally keep tabs on. I saw... Jaron Jackson Jr. Memphis Grizzlies say he's up to 6'11 in socks. Now, Jaron Jackson Jr., NBA Combine 2018, measured 6'9 and 3 quarters in socks. He also just turned 20 years old last month. Now, anybody who's followed me knows how high I am on Jaron Jackson Jr. He was number two on my board coming out of the draft. And if I were to do a redraft right now, I'd still have a number two right behind Luka Doncic, and ahead of Trey Young and DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I just think that Jackson's ceiling uh, is obviously off the charts, but I also believe in his potential to get there, uh, both from watching his skill development, also knowing his personality um, and uh, the type of leader I think he can be, and having uh, a father who played in the NBA. I think all the ingredients are there. 
um, on and off the floor um, in terms of mental makeup and physical ability and skill for this kid to be a starter on the all-star team one day with his three-point shooting, his monster defensive upside, his post game, and these flashes of attacking from behind the arc, uh, which is what he's going to do this year. He's playing power forward against Valanciunas, uh, next to Valanciunas, I should say. Um, I think he's best at center, but again, I guess Memphis trying to get their best players on the floor, um, and Jackson is pretty interchangeable with that versatile skill set. Now he's going to be, what, 6'11 socks? Now he's he's going to be a 7-footer out there, um, shooting threes, switching around the perimeter, attacking off the dribble. Um, I can't wait to see what this kid looks like in five years. I know people are high on John Morant, but I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is another level of prospect than John Morant is. And uh, yeah, he, he is the future in Memphis and uh, that future might be now. It's going to be interesting to see how he's used this year. Um, he could be the, the best player on the team. I know Valanciunas is uh, the veteran there in that starting lineup. But the offense should be running through Jaron Jackson Jr. this year with Memphis expected to probably finish with one of the worst records in the league. They don't have a very good team in terms of veteran talent. Um, love Brandon Clark, by the way. Uh, again, Morant, I'm, I'm high on. I think he's going to be a, a fine NBA point guard and somebody who could finish top five in the league in assists right now. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is the present and the future, and I think it's time to just start featuring him and, again, start the process of making him the number one option. This news out of Los Angeles Clippers camp made me smile. Terrence Mann, the team's second-round pick, has emerged as... A backup point guard option. He's playing the point guard for the second unit, moving Lou Williams to the two. People ask me all the time, you know, do you root for the guys um, that you hype up before the draft? Do you root against the guys who you have lower on the board? I don't root against anybody. Nobody, unless somebody did something to me, which in my 10 years of doing this, nobody's ever done something to me. I don't root against anybody. But yeah, I'll admit, I root for guys who I rank high. And I had Terrence Mann higher than most. And I, he was made all of my sleeper lists. And so to hear that he could have a role with this Clippers team, uh, yeah, come on, that, that's going to make me smile. He was excellent in Summer League. He's just uh, your typical glue guy, jack-of-all-trades, pass, rebound, defend, uh, make enough open shots. Um, is he a point guard? That's the way the Clippers are using him. I just think that he, yeah, he's a very good passer, a very good rebounder. He, he does those, those other things uh, other than score. He may never average more than 10 points a game in his career. But on a team with a lot of stars, I think Man is the perfect fit. And somebody who could, I, you know, they have him playing the one training camp early, it sounds like, but he probably projects more as a, a small forward or a shooting guard. Um, so I, I can't wait to find out if he cracks this rotation. That would be awesome if he cracks it right away. Uh, a four-year college player, never anybody who made a ton of national headlines, just somebody who does all those little things. And if uh, he lands on the right team, which he did. That could, you know, unlock all those little things, and and they could be valued. And so we'll we'll see if if man cracks this rotation. Um, he is certainly one of the underrated, under the radar young guys to keep an eye on as we move from training camp into the season and deeper. Chicago Bulls camp. Kobe White says he's ready to earn his minutes, and he'll accept whatever role he's given. Now I gotta admit, when Chicago drafted Kobe White seven, I kind of just assumed that they would make him the starting point guard over Chris Dunn. Um, then they signed Sadoransky, who was a really solid NBA role player. Uh, and, and Jim Boylan, I think, mentioned earlier that 
he still has Chris Dunn penciled in as the starter. Um, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see how Colby White's used this year based on Boylan's preference for veterans, the team looking to make a jump up the standings, and the fact that Colby White was brutal in summer league. Three for 30 from behind the arc, 4.8 assists to 3.8 turnovers. Uh, he's not going to be great on defense this year. He's probably going to be a, a bad decision maker offensively, and it doesn't seem like his three balls ready to be consistent. It really wasn't. It. At North Carolina, he was more of a streak shooter there. So it's possible we don't see much of Kobe White this year, although I do think that he is best suited right now to give the Chicago Bulls second unit a nice spark. Um, he is, uh, like I said before, a, a streak scorer, a streak shot maker. The Bulls had the 29th ranked offense last year. So uh, it's worth throwing White in during games when they need something to spark the offense. White's capable of being that guy, but it doesn't sound like he is going to be a regular um, certainly not in the ro- starting lineup, but he may not even be a regular in the rotation despite how high he went in the draft. Back to New Orleans because I'm watching ESPN right now and I just saw these Lonzo Ball, um, these, his new shot that's making headlines. And Ball's jump shot has been a topic of conversation dating back to high school. He's had that weird form with the cross his body release. And will it translate? He shot well in college, but he hasn't shot well through two years with the Lakers. The new shot certainly looks different. It certainly looks better. Um, will it tra- Can he make pull-ups? He was never a big pull-up guy. It took a little bit to get into his pull-up delivery. And uh, if you ask me, pull-up is such a big shot for a point guard, particularly one who's not very explosive in terms of getting to the basket. Lonzo needs that pull-up. Uh, in his in his bag, and so the new shot form will be interesting to see how uh, that develops, and because that could be really key for him if finally he could start shooting like everybody thought he would coming out of UCLA. Before we close, let's just head back to Chicago because news is popping up every five minutes. Uh, according to NBC Sports Chicago, Wendell Carter Jr. has put on 15 pounds, and he, he's mentioned taking more three pointers this year as a pick and pop player. I'm high on Wendell Carter. Uh, injured last year, tough to really, uh, to fairly evaluate his rookie season. The bar should be set higher this year. He was already pretty strong, so adding 15 more pounds, you know, adding weight's not something you would have put on Carter's scouting report. Hopefully, more weight doesn't hinder his ability to slide around the perimeter and defend in space away from the basket, because I think his value goes up a notch. If he could play some power forward and, and again, switch and pick and rolls and, and be an effective perimeter defender and shot blocker slash rim protector. But I'm more interested in his shooting development. Coming out of Duke, that was always supposed to be a, a part of his game. He didn't take a lot of threes. I think he made 19 of them. But he shot 41%. He shot well from the free throw line. His form looked good. And last year, the ball did just not drop for him on his jump shot attempts. He didn't take too many last year. Uh, when he was on the floor. But uh, it sounds like he's expected to take more this season. You know, if he's ever going to be the player everybody thought he was going to be, he's going to need that jump shot uh, to fall, just like the other 10 guys we've mentioned earlier in this podcast. But uh, Chicago, you know, so much of their future relies within their front court and, and Lowry and Wendell Carter Jr. And are they going to be compatible? And, and is it going to work between the two of them? I think it can. I think actually on paper, they make a ton of sense with Carter being the tougher physical rebounder and finisher and marking in more of the finesse 
player away from the basket with the three ball and the face-up game, but still to to unlock Wendell Carter Jr.'s offensive upside because right now he's mostly just a back-to-the-basket scorer, uh, finisher, and offensive rebounder. He's going to need to to become a regular pick-and-pop guy. And so all eyes on Wendell Carter Jr.'s jump shot this upcoming season. I think we'll end on that. Those are the the big storylines that have popped through two days. Uh, We'll check back in next week, see if anything new has uh, made headlines. And again, I'm just kind of itching, waiting for college basketball season, waiting for exhibition, the practices to get going. Right now, we still have Anthony Edwards from Georgia atop the board, though um, he's certainly not sharpied in there. He's more lightly penciled in with Cole Anthony. Uh, just a hair behind and LaMelo Ball probably at number three the draft conversation this year will be fun as always uh, but I don't want to get it started yet I want to see these guys actually play a single college game before I start picking them apart tune in next week uh, tweet me at NBA Draft Was, and thanks for listening <laughs>